Vrindavan ki jai. Vrindavan dham ki jai. Vrindavan ki All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to Shri Guru and Goranga. All glories to Shri Guru. on the Luna Beach, and we wanted to discuss about friends and enemies and how to find peace. So if we look in the Bhagavad Gita at the descriptions of an enlightened person, a self-realized person, we will find discussions of equanimity. Krishna says, one who's not disturbed in mind even amongst the threefold miseries or elated when there's happiness, who's free from attachment, fear, and anger, who's unaffected by whatever good or evil he may obtain, who can withdraw his senses from sense objects. We have specifically talking about friends and enemies in the sixth chapter, that was in the second person is said to be established in self-realization when he sees everything, pebble, stone, or gold, as the same. The person is considered still further advanced when he regards honest well-wishers, affectionate benefactors, the neutral, the mediators, the envious, friends and enemies, the pious and the sinners, all with an equal mind. In the 14th chapter, a description again of one who is self-realized, one who does not hate illumination, attachment, and delusion when they are present or long for them when they disappear, who is unwavering and undisturbed through all these reactions of the material qualities, remaining neutral and transcendental, knowing that the modes alone are active, who is situated in the self and regards alike happiness and distress, who looks upon a lump of earth, a stone, and a piece of gold with an equal eye, who is equal toward the desirable and the undesirable, who's steady, situated equally well in praise and blame, honor and dishonor, who treats alike both friends and enemy, who has renounced all material activities. Such a person is said to have transcended the modes of nature. Also look at chapter 12.
who is not envious, but who is a kind friend to living and all living entities, who does not think himself a proprietor free from false ego, who is equal in happiness and distress, who is tolerant, always satisfied, self-controlled. He by whom no one is put into difficulty, who is not disturbed by anyone, who is equal-posed in happiness and distress, fear and anxiety, who is not dependent on the ordinary force of events, who is pure expert without cares, free from all pain, who neither rejoices nor grieves, who neither laments nor desires, who renounces both auspicious and inauspicious things, one who is equal to friends and enemies, who is equal-poised in honor and dishonor, heat and cold, happiness and distress, fame and infamy. So we find this repeating description of the symptoms of an enlightened person, a self-realized person. And we find that the repeating descriptions are that of being equal points, of being steady, of being peaceful. We're going to look specifically at being equal poised and peaceful, having equal vision with friends and enemies. I wanted to reference a very famous verse by Prahlad Maharaj in the Bhagavatam. This is from 7512. A Prahlad Maharaj says, When the Supreme Personality of Godhead is pleased with the living entity because of his devotional service, one becomes a pundit and does not make distinctions between enemies, friends, and himself. Intelligently, he then thinks, Every one of us is an eternal servant of God, and therefore we are not different from one another. So it's a very long purport. We're not going to read the whole purport, but just the very end of it. Everyone should be very friendly for the service of the Lord. Everyone should praise another service to the Lord and not be proud of his own service. That is the way of Vaishnava thinking, Vaikuta thinking. There may be rivalries and apparent competition between servants in performing service, but in the Vaikuntha planets, the service of another servant is appreciated, not condemned. This is Vaikuntha competition. There is no question of enmity between servants. Everyone should be allowed to render service to the Lord to the best of his ability, and everyone should appreciate the service of others. Such are the activities of Vaikuntha. Since everyone is a servant, everyone is on the same platform and is allowed to serve the Lord according to his ability. So in this material world and materialistic consciousness, the idea of dividing the world into friends and enemies and dealing with them very differently is quite pervasive. And if you think about the vast majority of entertainment or even the news, it's pretty much all about friends and enemies, isn't it? Isn't it? Who's my friend? Who's my enemy? Getting closer to my friends and conquering my enemies. And sometimes it's in a sporting mood, like there's the Olympics going on and people are, you know, my country. No, my country. And they may have some a sporting mood at some point, but then when they get close to the finish line, and it's, you're my enemy. Who's my, who's my friends cheering me on? And who's my enemy? And of course, sometimes the enemy is considered to be within but this whole idea of who's on my side and who's not on my side. Who do I have to make alliance with? Who's out to get me? And if we analyze our own thinking throughout the day, we'll find that 
if we're at all in materialistic consciousness, that we go to this friends and enemies sort of thinking. All right, well, this person, they're out to get me, or they may do this thing. How can I counteract them? How can I neutralize them? How can I somehow turn them into a friend? Or if I can't turn them into a friend, how can I neutralize their ability to harm me? All right, and I have these people who are my friends, but this friend is upset at me for this thing. And how can I settle this? And this family member, whatever. And there's, there's this real concept like that. I think I notice this very strongly. I travel a lot, and I notice it very strongly when I've been away from America for a long period of time. I remember when I was traveling in China, and when I was leaving China to go at that point to New Zealand, and it was in the Shanghai airport, and I heard some people speaking not only English, but English with an American accent. And not only English with an American accent, but English with a Northeastern American accent. And I immediately thought, yes, my people. I was, I was so surprised at how I felt like that. I felt like I had some kinship with these people. And as soon as I said, oh, you're from America. Oh, where are you from? Oh, I'm from New York. Oh, we're from Connecticut. And they felt like they had some kinship with me. So this is our, we're always looking for someone who's like me. Somebody who's, who's on my side. And we differentiate like this. And we're always calculating. How can I have, how can I solidify, keep my friendships, make more friends? How can I keep my enemies at a distance, neutralize them, or if I'm really materialistic, defeat them and shame them and humiliate them, depending on how materialistic I am. So it's everywhere. Now what's the results of this mentality? I would be interesting if you try for a day to think about and notice what percentage of our energy and our thought process is involved with this friends and enemies mentality. Or maybe my wife's upset with me, I gotta fix it. Or maybe this person's, a, you know, this friend of mine has this problem, I gotta fix that. And how's my boss thinking of it? So, what's the result of our friends and enemies mentality? Can anybody tell me? Have a lot of happiness and distress. And even the happiness is mixed with distress. Because am I sure that my friends are going to stay my friends? No. No. Uh, there's a devotee I work with in one part of the world. And many, many years ago, uh, we were in an enemy situation. And now we're in a friend situation. This devotee said to me, how strange is it? That somebody who can be your enemy at one point can be your friend at another point. Someone who's your friend at one point can be your enemy at another point. Do we all know of some families where even in the families people become enemies? Yes. Maybe some of us have it in our family. <laughs> I'm sure we all know somebody's family. Where even between a husband and wife, or between a child and the parent, or a brother and sister, that I know of one family where the brother and sister enemies. If the, especially from the brother's side. If he sees his sister on the other side of the street, he'll leave. If she's at a program, he'll walk. So therefore, even our happiness is mixed with distress because we never know when our friends are going to become our enemies. And they may do so. And we never know when our enemy is going to attack us. We never know when our enemy is going to do something to discredit us or harm us in some way. 
And even if we've neutralized them for now, we don't know. When will they rear their head again and strike again? And figure, well, they're, they're probably going to do it again. It's just a matter of when and how. How can I protect myself? And so then our lives are full of anxiety. Our lives are full of fear. Eating, sleeping, mating, and defending. So the primary element of materialistic consciousness is defending. And if you also start noticing human interactions, you'll see that we put a lot of our energy into defending ourselves. It's quite fascinating. If you're an observer of people, you'll find that it's a rare person who can take correction, even from a very near and dear one. Even someone very close to them, who they, they trust and is their good, good friend, close family member. If you say something like, well, you know, when you do that with your child, you know, it might make it so they whine more often. And the person's reaction will probably be to defend themselves. Once you start noticing how much we defend ourselves, it's amazing. Our first reaction is to somehow or other blame somebody else, give some extenuating circumstances. We're filled with fear. That maybe if I admit that I've done something wrong, then my friends will turn into my enemies. I'll lose my friends, or I'll give my enemy an opening to attack me. So what a way to live. Now, of course, a materialistic person thinks that they're going to deal with this situation by either turning everybody into a friend or getting very far away from all of their enemies. But does that ever happen? Can you ever, like, neutralize all your enemies and only surround yourself with friends? Anybody been able to do that for more than a short period of time? Not yet. Not yet. We're still working on it, right? And we try to do this in many ways, by forming alliances, by getting a lot of money, by having a lot of power and influence, by getting to, knowing some uh, embarrassing information about our enemies. By making contracts with people. Uh, but we're always full of anxiety. So Krishna's giving a very different solution. Prahlad Maharaj is giving a very different solution. And the, their solution is stop thinking of other living entities in terms of friends and enemies at all. Have an equal mood towards friends and enemies. Now that doesn't mean, obviously, that externally we deal the same with everybody. And I believe when we read about or hear this idea of being equiposed towards friends and enemies, we immediately reject this as impractical. I mean, obviously, if there's a dog next door to you that likes to bite, you're not going to go and pet it. And similarly, if you have somebody who's going to attack you, you're not necessarily going to invite them to your house for dinner. So it doesn't mean that externally we behave the same towards everyone. That would be absurd. In fact, Krishna doesn't even act like that. I reciprocate with people. How a living entity deals with me, I reciprocate with them accordingly. 
I, Krishna, Prabhupada says Krishna is very responsive. And Krishna says he has no friends and enemies. He says he doesn't especially love someone, nor is he envious of anyone. In fact, he says, Surinam Sarvabhutanam, he's the best friend of everyone. But he also says that those who are demons, he sends them to the lower species of life, and those who are the devotees, he takes them to live in his abode. And he says the devotees are very dear to him. He says even the jnanis are very dear to him. So if we can understand how the Lord, of whom we are a part, how is it that he is neutral? He's not in anxiety. He's not affected by friends and enemies in terms of being in anxiety. He has peace. And yet, he's responsive. So that's what we want to achieve. We want to achieve a situation where we can deal with people who are apparently friends or apparently enemies in a way that we are never disturbed. And yet we deal intelligently in a responsive way. So Prahlad Maharaj is giving us one way to do this. To see that there is a kind of oneness, Papa talks in this purport of Ekatram from the Ishapanishad, that all of us are ultimately, we're all part of the same family. There isn't really an us and a them. It's really all us. This is part of the principle, of course, of being vegetarian, that we see that the animals are also souls like we are. They have feelings like we do, and therefore we're not going to cause harm to them simply for the sake of some taste sensation. So, Pandita Samadarshana, Vijayavanaya Sampanaya Vamanika Vihasanishana Chayavasapakita. So we see that everyone, as Prabhupada said in his purport in the Bhagavatam, is a servant of Krishna. Everyone is a part of Krishna. Therefore, on the, on the real level, we're really part of the same family. Sometimes within a family, we play a game, and different people go on opposite sides of the game board. But there's not any real enmity. Or we may be in a drama. So a while ago I was in a drama with my daughter where we were on different, we were, this was in India and Govinda, so we were on different sides. She was Krishna, I was Jatila. So apparently in the drama we were, had some enmity. But actually, we're family. It was just a drama. And although we got in the mood of the drama, or even, of course, in the Battle of Kurukshetra, Bhishma and Arjuna were apparently on opposite sides, but that did not diminish their affection for each other. There was never any envy, there was never any hatred between them, even though they were literally trying to kill each other as part of the battle. So the first thing is we see that, that everyone is part of my ultimate family, Aham Bija Pitam that God is the father of everyone. Everyone is my brother and sister, actually. And we're all of the same quality. You know, again, we tend to be friends. We tend to see as friends somebody who's like me, someone who shares my interests. They're from the same family, or they're from the same nationality, or they're from the same religion, or they're from the same gender, or they're the same species, or the same age, or they have the same interests. But ultimately, every living entity has a tremendous amount in common. In one sense, we are all one. 
Although we're all individuals, we also have a oneness. We are all part of Krishna. And we all ultimately have the same interest. So in that way, how can anybody be my enemy? It's not possible. From the spiritual perspective, everyone is my friend because everybody with whom I come in contact with, I can see is this person is sent by Krishna for some reason. And that reason is a loving reason because Krishna is my dear most friend. So even if this person comes in the role of an, of an antagonist, uh, there's some purpose there. Just like Arjuna, who saw Bhishma and Drona coming in the role of an antagonist. But he didn't actually see them as an antagonist. He saw, oh, this is an opportunity that I can render service to Krishna. That I can please Krishna. So whoever we contact, we can see this person is ultimately helping me to come closer to Krishna. In so many ways. They can help me to come closer to Krishna by teaching me how to forgive by teaching me how to tolerate, or even just for teaching me what not to do. That's something useful. And in another sense, I can see everyone as my enemy if I think that any other living entity is the source of my satisfaction other than Krishna. One also comes to see everyone equally by having one's friendship with my real friend. I can't come to this idea of universal brotherhood, that I have a shared interest in common and a shared nature in common, unless I get the common right. I have to have the center right. I feel some kinship with another American because you have to have to be American. Isn't it a fact? I feel some kinship with the family because there has to be the family. You first have to get that central shared interest or central commonality before you can see, okay, all these other people are related to me in this commonality. So in order to see how every living being is related to us and in common with us, we first have to get that central commonality, which is Krishna. And I become the best friend of Krishna. That's actually one of the nine items of devotional service, to see Krishna as my best friend. And without doing that, seeing everyone else as ultimately my friend is impossible. You you can try artificially. Just like in modern society, there's a lot of emphasis on having you know, racial equality and class equality and seeing everybody equally and not seeing anyone as your enemy, but we can't do it. I mean, we're trying. And there's a lot of propaganda and there's a lot of instruction and people make a lot of effort to have courses for the children and the right kind of movies and the right kind of books and the right kind of instructions, but they're still fighting on the basis of friends and enemies. I don't know how many wars there are in the world right now, but there's a lot of them. And they don't stop. As probably says the United Nations, they just keep adding more countries instead of uniting them. You're a Democrat, you're a Republican, you're this, you're that. So unless you have the right center, it doesn't work. Just trying to be equal poised. We have to make friendship with Krishna. 
We have to actually trust that he's my friend. That anyone I'm relating with is there for a good purpose because he's my friend. That everyone I'm interacting with is dear to him. He doesn't want me to cause pain to anyone, as Krishna said. He for whom no one is put into any difficulty. Even my so-called enemy, I don't want to put them into difficulty because Krishna would be displeased. Just like the parents would be displeased if one brother is fighting with another brother. And not only that Krishna is my best friend, but I want to be Krishna's friend. I want to act in such a way that makes my dear friend happy. <laughs> and so anyone I inter- interact with, I think, how can I interact with this person in a way that will make Krishna happy? It's also trusting that Krishna is going to take care of me. Mari Krishna, Rake Ke, Rake Krishna, Mari Ke. Krishna wants to kill me, no one can save me. Krishna wants to save me, no one can kill me. My so-called enemies can't harm me unless Krishna wants me to be harmed. And my so-called friends can't protect me unless Krishna wants me to be protected. Ultimately, I cannot be harmed. All this harm and protection materially is an illusion. But on the platform of illusion, whatever happens is the will of God. Ultimately, my so-called friends and my so-called enemies all they can do is what Krishna sanctions them to do. And what Krishna is going to sanction them to do is something that's good for me because he's my best friend. And in another level of reality, I'm not affected by anything in this world. I'm a soul. I'm not affected by any weapon. Even what you speak of a difficult circumstance or a loss of money or poor health or loss of reputation or whatever I'm afraid of from my enemies and whatever I'm seeking from my friends. None of that can affect me anywhere. I'm a soul beyond those things. So when one has that mentality, one is able to be neutral to friends and enemies while at the same time acting appropriately within the world. It's not exactly that all of the behavior of a self-realized person is radically different from the behavior of a materially attached person. A materially attached person and a self-realized person, they both go to a job and earn money. They might both lock their door at night. But the mentality is completely different. As Krishna explains, what's day for one is night for the other, what's night for one is day for the other. That one who has that connection with Krishna, they experience peace. Once I know Surudam Sarabhutanam, Yatamam Shanti then I actually get peace. And what is my mood towards all living entities? And that Prabhupada explained in this purport to praise others, to appreciate others, even those who are acting as our so called enemies. And we see this in sporting competition, where the losers, they're able to appreciate and praise the prowess of the winners, isn't it? In a proper sporting competition. Uh, Even on the battlefield, there's many, many stories of wartime when a person was buried with honor by the enemy. And the enemy was praising, look how valiantly they're fighting. This is explained also in the 10th canto when Chavo was attacking Dwarka. And the soldiers of Chavo were still praising the valor of the Yadus. 
So one can appreciate even the behavior of someone who acts as an enemy. Just see what ability Krishna's given them. Just see what intelligence Krishna's given them. Just see how Krishna's using this person in his universal plan, even though they're inimical to him. This is also the mood of the self-realized person. Now all of this may seem very difficult and very advanced and very high. Well, I can't do that. But actually we can. In one sense, attaining to self-realization and enlightenment is a journey that one experiences in stages and one has to progress step by step to the higher stages and one cannot artificially imitate a higher state while in materialistic consciousness. But from another point of view, all of us are already pure souls. And therefore, Prabhupada would sometimes say one can become Krishna conscious in a moment. And although we shouldn't imitate being equal poised, because you can't maintain it, we can start to practice it genuinely. Just the other day, I was listening to Shiva Prabhupada talk about a person standing up to dance on a stage. And he said, no one just gets up and dances. They have to practice first. He said, the director would not allow, oh, just go on the stage without practice. So this is part of our advancement in bhakti, is to practice. And this practice should be done always. Even with the people we live with, our husband, our wife, our children, our mother, our father, our mother-in-law, our father-in-law, our cousins, our aunts, our uncles, our bosses, our co-workers. No one is my friend, no one is my enemy. I have appreciation and affection for every living entity. Now sometimes we have more appreciation for the cows than for our children or our wife or our boss. Right? We're for all living entities. Because they're all dear to Krishna. And to think, how can I use this situation of so-called friendship or so-called enmity to help myself become closer to Krishna and to show my friendship with Krishna? How can I act in this situation in a way that will please my beloved friend? And how can I act in this situation in a way that I will get closer to Krishna? And to have the confidence that everything that happens to me is engineered by my most dear friend. Therefore, it is all for my ultimate spiritual good. Nothing materially can harm me. That Krishna is always my protector and my maintainer. And no one can do good to me and no one can do harm to me, really, on any kind of, of genuine platform. So I want to leave some time for questions and discussions because this is a rather deep and perhaps difficult topic. But one, when we achieve it, yet for Namashanti Nuchiji, we get actual peace. So questions and discussions? Yes? It's amazing when I look at that, what affects me more is when I was in South Africa preaching and security police were against me, that didn't affect me as badly because when like I had an uncle and a stepmother that would make up things about me or devotees, like one person, a devotee never comes to the temple anymore. He told me that, that somehow I'm the goddess of poverty. Whenever I see him, it makes him poor because <laughs> my name means poverty, which it doesn't. But when people say those things that aren't true, 
that you expect them to be your friend, somehow that that's much more more than even if something was true. Yes. It's, it's definitely more painful to have people you expect to be your friends turn on you. Now we've, we've sort of adjust ourselves that, okay, this is the other. This person is the other. So, of course, they're going to harm me. But if someone is, is one of my own people... And this was Arjuna's question, too, Swajana. He said, I'm not going to fight with my Swajana, with my own people. Even if they're avaricious, he says, I'm not going to fight with them. So this is... Definitely. We have a much easier time being equipoised with strangers or with people we've already written off as impossible enemies than we do with people who are close to us and who we expect to, be, to act in a particular way. And that's, that's the real test of this, I, I find, is how do we act with those who we expect to be on our side and we expect to be loyal and we expect to do things that are pleasing to us and when they don't. Yes? I don't understand tolerate as kind of suppression and repression. You know, that actually I'm boiling inside, but I just stop an external manifestation of it. Because if you're boiling inside, eventually you'll explode. I mean, we all know some people, maybe we're one of them, who just, you know, and then explodes. (laughs) So I spend some time on the big island of Hawaii. There you have a volcano that's exploding all the time. It's always always flowing with lava. So there's there's never a great big explosion. But then you have other volcanoes, you know, it's building up, building up, building up over 50 years or 100 years, and then, you know, millions of people are killed. I, I, I had an unfortunate story with one family. They were married for 10 years. They never had an argument. But it wasn't that the wife was happy. And one day after 10 years, she had all the arguments. You know, she had saved up all the 10 years' worth of arguments, and she had them all at once, and she left. And I remember the husband coming to us and saying, What happened? He said, I thought I had a happy marriage, and my wife loved me. And all of a sudden, she's gone. <laughs> you see this a lot with parents and children where the parents go don't do that dear don't do that dear please don't do that don't do that <laughs> that's quite common so that's not the kind of tolerance that Krishna is talking about it's not real tolerance you know, you're just fooling yourself and then when you lose your tolerance you're much worse off than you were so that's not, that's not what we're talking about 
We're talking about that you remain unaffected. Now the only way you can remain unaffected is you have to have a higher connection. Something like, you know, if you go to somebody's house and they don't feed you, if you've already eaten at home and you already have your own meal, it doesn't matter. Something like that. If I already know that Krishna is my best friend and I already have a connection with Krishna and I already know that Krishna is protecting me and I have that, that confidence, then, so if you analyze that formula, so everything I'm doing I should be doing for Krishna. So usually I do sacrifices, but I'm not doing them for Krishna, even if I say I'm doing them for Krishna. I'm really doing them because I want the other devotees to be happy with me. And then if they're not happy with me, I get very upset. I'm really doing my sacrifices for other jivas or for some result. And then when I don't get that result, just the same point. You know, I'm thinking my friends, my family members, they're going to treat me nicely. I'm thinking I've done so much for them. I've spent so much money for them. I've spent so much time for them. I've given of myself so much for them. And then when they turn on me, I become devastated. I'm thinking I'm giving, I'm giving to these people. I'm giving them when they fight, I become devastated. So that means we didn't get the first line of Bhagavad Gita 529 right. Bhokti Ram Krishna is the enjoyer of our yajna and Tapasya. Not any other jiva. If I'm giving to any other jiva first, then I'm putting the water on the leaf instead of on the root. Do for Krishna. Now, if I'm doing for Krishna, I'll also be nice to everybody else, but not because I'm thinking I'm going to get something back from them. Then Sarvaloka Maheshwara, he's in charge of everything. So whatever's happening to me, he's allowing to happen. He's running the show. You know, in an ordinary business, the boss can't control everything that's going on in the business. There might be all kinds of things going on in the business that the boss would really prefer didn't happen. Or in a temple, the temple president can't control everything in the temple. There might be all kinds of things going on that the temple president either doesn't know about or knows about it and just can't solve. Or in a family. You know, the mother and father can't know exactly what all the children are doing all the time. And even if they know, they can't always fix it. But Krishna knows everything and he can fix everything. And then Surudam Sabhagupana. He's our best friend. So not only is he all-powerful, but he has Surud. He has my best interest at heart. So if somebody's perfectly powerful, in control of everything, and they have my best riches at heart. And if I offer to them my sacrifice, I'm doing this sacrifice for you. Then I'm not disturbed. Then get from Namashantimichiti. Then I can have peace. Then my peace is not dependent on is this devotee fighting with this devotee. I'm just it's I mean I might like the devotees to get along, but my peace is not dependent on it. 
I'll work for harmony in the society of the devotees to please Krishna, but my personal peace is not dependent on that. I'm getting my peace from someplace else. Is that? It, it's really not that hard. It sounds very hard, but it's really not that hard. But one has to make it an effort to practice it. And I think sometimes we don't make an effort to practice it because we think, well, it's just going to fall on my head one day when I become advanced. You know, I'm going to be intolerant and disturbed and until I reach a certain point and oh well. I'll just have to treat everyone as friends or enemies until that time. But one can practice part of our bhakti to practice even from the beginning. So you can have a little mantra like Mari Krishna Rake K, Rake Krishna Mari K. Or Suvidam Sarabhutana. Find your little mantra. That when these things happen, you remember, oh yeah, I'm not this body, I can't be harmed. I'm not this body, I'm not this mind. None of this has anything to do with me. Or Krishna's my best friend, he's controlling everything. Everything that's happening is for my spiritual good. Or wait a minute, who was I sacrificing for? Who was my object of sacrifice? I found personally many times when I'm disturbed by the dealings of others, it's because I had the wrong object of sacrifice. I was sacrificing for them instead of for Krishna. Oh, yeah, I had the wrong object of sacrifice. Krishna is my object of sacrifice. Is Krishna pleased with what I'm doing? Okay, that's fine. Even if no one else is pleased. Even if everyone else brings you, as Prabhupada one time said, compression, depression, depression. He said, but still I was not discouraged. So everyone in the whole world, Pralad Maharaj, I mean, look at Pralad Maharaj, who spoke this. So we read this verse today from Pralad Maharaj. But he was surrounded, apparently, by enemies. He didn't have a friend in sight. Nobody. Even his family members were his, I mean, really his enemies. His father was the ultimate child abuser. There'd be a big newspaper article about him today. You know, he was putting, <laughs> putting his kid, giving him poison, and throwing him under elephant's feet, etc. He's trying to kill him. And but Prahlad Maharaj didn't seem like that. And Prahlad's teachers were in the mood of an, of an enemy. And all of his friends, everybody. And even his guru externally appeared to be a servant of his father. But still, he didn't have this mood of friends and enemies. So, Puladmar is surrounded like this. He had the mood that Krishna is my best friend. And therefore, he was peaceful, he was fearless. Pralad was thinking, let me do what's pleasing to Krishna. Does that help? Does that help? Yes. Sometimes it's you know hard to conceive like you know what happened like you can't find their reason. Then is it? Can you take it as like it's my past karma is paying off? Sometimes it feels good like okay it's my past karma. But this is your child, right? Yes. Boy. Yes. How old is he? Two. Two. So 
I assume you're not a perfect parent, but you really tried to make sure that everything you do for him is for his good, right? Maybe you're not 100% successful, but at least you try, correct? Does he always understand it? No. So sometimes when you're doing something for his good, does he think that you're acting as an enemy? Does he get angry? He never gets angry with you. He gets fussy. Does he ever get angry with you? Yeah. Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes you never get angry with you. I'm going to stay at your house for a while. Check this out. (laughs) So just like that. Compared to Krishna's intelligence, we're like a two-year-old. And we just don't understand. So we think, why can't I have my cookie now? Why, why, why isn't Krishna giving me my cookie now? Or why did Krishna take my toy fire truck away? And you want to say it's all our karma? In a, in a sense, sure. Anybody who's in the material world, except for liberated souls who come here to preach, we're all here because of our karma. We're all here because we're nonsense. So in one sense, anything that's happening to us is because of my own foolishness. But at the same time, Krishna's in control. And once, as soon as you surrender to Krishna, he's taking personal charge of you. And everything he's doing is for our good, out of love. And sometimes we appreciate it and sometimes we don't. And you know, sometimes you can appreciate it after a while. Other things I'm convinced that we won't appreciate while we're in this body at all. Just, but at some point, you know, some point we'll see, oh, it was all perfect. But many, many years ago, my goodness, like 35 years ago, I remember something very difficult happened to me. And I was very angry for quite a long time. And 15 years later, I saw, oh, that's why it happened. And that gave me a lot of confidence that if I could get the big picture, I would see that everything is for spiritual good. It's not that everything is materially good, but everything is for our spiritual good. That's true for everybody, even for completely materialistic people. But what to speak of someone who's even one time said, my dear Lord, from this day on, I am yours. But Krishna is everyone's best friend. Krishna doesn't do anything that's bad for anyone ever. Now Krishna may allow, he does, allow a jiva to get the results of their own actions. But good parents let their children do that too in a controlled way. Right? You don't try to prevent your child from making every single mistake. Just like Srila Prabhupada talked about when his son was two and he wanted to touch a fan. And in those days in India, the fans didn't have covers. You know, now we have all these safety features and everything. But it was just an open blade. And his son was always trying to touch the fan. And so Prabhupada said, one of his friends said, put it at the slowest speed and let him touch it. And so he did that. Then afterwards he'd say, touch again? No. So in this world, Krishna does allow us to get the reactions of our foolish desires. But it's all an illusion. It's not really happening, as Krishna explains in the fifth and the thirteenth chapter of Bhagavad Gita. It's not happening to me. All these things that are happening, I'm just the witness. 
So yes, Krishna's letting me do all kinds of terrible mistakes, and he's letting me get the consequences of those mistakes so that I'll rectify myself, but he's doing it in a way that's not actually, I'm not actually being harmed. So of course, when I'm in the illusion, I'm thinking that I've broken my leg or I've lost all my money or something like that. It's a monopoly game. It's all monopoly money. Thank you very much. All glories to you.